What the heck is going on? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On to Your Racket, the podcast dedicated to all things tennis. We're your hosts, Travia and Josephina. Josephina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravi and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for. So we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Hold On To Your Racket. Today is August 29th, and we will be covering the final rounds of the Western and Southern Open and all of the crazy news that has take over, taken over the tennis bubble the past few days. And when we say crazy, we mean absolutely and totally insane, unheard of news. But before we get to it, we want to give you a quick recap of the final rounds of the Cincinnati Open. Shravya, how about you take it away with the WTA quarters and semis? Sure. So the quarterfinals occurred on Wednesday, and uh, Elise Mertens, Naomi Osaka, Joanna Conta, and Victoria Azarenka made it through the semis. So... Our first quarterfinal was Mertens versus Pagula, who was the American qualifier we talked about last episode. It was a 6-1, 6-3 win. Mertens has been playing amazing tennis these past few weeks and definitely someone to keep an eye out for at the U.S. Open. Osaka versus Annette Contivate was a tough match, 4-6, 6-2, 7-5, and Osaka came back from a set and a breakdown to win nine games in a row. And it was probably Osaka's most competitive match of the tournament. We also had Kanta versus Sakari, uh, which was a pretty easy win, 6-4, 6-3. Great serving from Kanta. Sakari has had a great week here, but the Brit was just playing superior tennis. And our last quarterfinal was Victoria Azarenka versus Ons Jabor from Tunisia, a 7-6, 6-2 win. And the Belarusian was able to save multiple set points in the first set tiebreak, and she ended up winning the tiebreak 11-9. So that was a good win for those four players. Moving on to the semifinals, obviously, Victoria Azarenka and Naomi Osaka made it through, but the Osaka versus Mertens match was a 6-2, 7-6 win for the Japanese player, and she won in straight sets, but it was a tight second set the day after the tournament pause, and Osaka didn't practice on Thursday either. Amazing tennis from both throughout the tournament, but Osaka was definitely the stronger player in that match. Um, and then Azarenka versus Kanta went three sets, 4-6, 6-4, 6-1. And Azarenka said she thought about retiring in the beginning of this year, but she's been working very hard, coming into this tournament unseated, and she was smiling throughout that whole match in the semis, especially in those last two sets, which was great to see, and it's probably her best tennis of the tournament so far. And it's awesome to see her back on the courts, and I think that that semifinal match was probably a great indicator that she's definitely a dark horse going into the U.S. Open. Moving on to the ATP quarterfinals and semifinals, Milos Raonic, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Roberto Bautista Agut, and Novak Djokovic all made it through to the semifinals after getting past their quarterfinal opponents. Raonic played a riveting three-setter versus Filip Krajinovic, but came out victorious 4-6, 7-6, 7-5. Number eight seed Roberto Batista Agut took out third seed and defending champion Daniel Medvedev 1-6, 6-4, 6-3. 
and number one seed Djokovic beat John Leonard Struff, who had has had an amazing run at the Cincinnati Open, by the way, 6-3-6-1, in order to reach the semifinal. Unfortunately, during what seemed like was going to be a great close match, Riley Opelka was forced to retire in his match against Stefanos Tsitsipas at 6-5 Opelka due to a knee injury. And because of these action-packed quarterfinals, the semifinals produced two great matchups. Novak Djokovic made it through to the final, but only after a nail-biting three-setter against Bautista Agut, who played some great tennis. The score was 4-6, 6-4, 7-6. However, the score was 7-0 in that last tiebreaker. Milos Raonic, who has been doing um, unbelievably well during this year's Western and Southern Open, took out fourth seed Stefanos Tsitsipas in a quick 7-6-6-3 match. So we're going to talk a little bit about the WTA finals now, both on the double side and on the single side. So we told you guys to keep an eye out for the number three seeds, Kleta Peshke and Demi Schurz. And they ended up winning the title. The score was 6-1, 4-6, 10-4. So it really went the distance in that deciding tiebreak. And they beat the second seeds, Nicole Melchar and Zhu Yifan from the USA and China, respectively. It's the team's first title together. And it was actually really sad because they weren't able to hug each other when they won due to obvious social distancing protocols. But nevertheless, some great tennis from the pair. And a really funny thing that I thought was interesting to see was that Peshke's husband is also her coach, but he's also Melitar's coach. So he was having both of his players play against each other in that final. But, you know, I guess he's doing something right with his coaching because that was a great result for both of his two T's. Going on to the singles final, it was supposed to be Osaka versus Azarenka, which was definitely a match that everyone was excited for. But Osaka, about 90 minutes before the final, pulled out with a left hamstring injury. And if anyone was watching her semifinal match, you saw her injury during her second set tiebreak. But, you know, we hope that Osaka has a speedy recovery. But on the other hand, Azarenka has had an amazing week. She had not won any singles matches since last year's Cincinnati Open. And this is her biggest title since winning the 2016 Miami Open. So it's awesome that she's back and see her winning to see her winning her second Western and Southern Open. And definitely, definitely watch her during the U.S. Open because this is something really exciting to watch, especially as this is her first big title since becoming a mom. Right. So Australian youngster Alex de Menor and Spaniard Pablo Carreño Busta are this year's Western and Southern Open men's doubles champions. So let's start with a con- congratulations to them. They beat runner-ups Neil Skupski and Jamie Murray 6-2-7-5 in a match that produced a last, a great last set. History was made, though, when Novak Djokovic became this year's Western and Southern Open men's singles champion. He has a perfect undefeated score um, record this year in 2020, 23-0, and he was already the only player in history to ever win all nine ATP Masters 1000s, but now he has won them all twice. He is also now tied with Rafael Nadal for most ATP Masters 1000s titles at 35. Djokovic got off to a quite a slow start, allowing Raonic to take the first set 6-1, but came back to win the next two sets 6-3, 6-4. So congratulations to Raonic for a great run, and congratulations to Djokovic for winning the whole darn thing. Going back to that seemingly confusing intro, 
we're about to explain what the heck is going on in the tennis world. And let me tell you, there is some crazy news going on, both good and bad and whatever your opinion decides to say. So first up, we obviously have the news about Osaka pulling out of her semifinal match. So on August 26, she sent out a statement and it said, Hello, as many of you are aware, I was scheduled to play in my semifinals match tomorrow. However, before I'm an athlete, I'm a black woman. And as a black woman, I feel as though there are much more important matters at hand that need immediate attention, rather than watching me play tennis. I don't expect anything drastic to happen with me not playing, but if I can get a conversation started in a majority white sport, I consider that a step in the right direction. Watching the continued genocide of black people at the hand of the police is honestly making me sick to my stomach. I'm exhausted of having a new hashtag pop up every few days, and I'm extremely tired of having this same conversation over and over again. When will it ever be enough? Hashtag Jacob Blake, hashtag Breonna Taylor, hashtag Elijah McClain, and hashtag George Floyd. So, obviously, her pulling out definitely made some big headlines, both in the tennis world and in the sports world. And Osaka actually said, quote, I always thought it would be nice if someone started something in tennis. Honestly, I'm more of a follower than a leader. I just follow things. But this time, it really did turn out that she was the one who started something. Yeah, and adding to that, I even saw somewhere Osaka said after the movement took um, action, she said that she did not expect to reach these many people, to influence these many people with what she did on Thursday. Yeah, and then it turned out that Osaka did actually play her, ended up deciding to play her semifinal, but this was after the tournament decided to pause. So let's clarify this a little bit. So Osaka said that she didn't know that she was going to concede her match in protest until after her quarterfinal match. And once she sent out the statement and withdrew, the USTA, the Western and Southern Open Director, the WTA, and even the ATP sat down and talked to her and her team for a while about her decision. And they offered the option of pausing play on Thursday for the entire tournament. And Osaka decided that this was an impactful gesture. And she also said that her staying in the tournament would allow her to bring even more attention to the issue. Just imagine the WTA, the ATP, and everybody in the tournament actually begging you to stay in it. Like, that means she must have some sort of influence and she used it in the best way this week. But... I just, I can't even wrap my head around the fact that they were all actually begging her to stay in the tournament. Her move actually had a really big impact on tennis. And her agent clarified and he said, Naomi did not change her mind. She decided that her impact would be greater by pausing in the exact same way as the NBA and WNBA have done, which she did not know was an option at the time of her initial statement. This is not a U-turn. This is a doubling down. This is a call to action. Especially as an athlete playing an individual sport, Naomi's bravery is extraordinary. And I gotta say, I completely agree. I mean, it's definitely hard when you're in an individual sport and not in a team sport as the WNBA, NBA, MLB, and all those sports are. So this was definitely a historic move. And so after talking to Osaka, the tournament released a statement on pause and play of the Western and Southern Open. And they said that tennis is collectively taking a stance against racial inequality and social injustice that it once again has been thrust through the forefront in the United States. And all of those four bodies decided that it would be a good time and an important decision to pause play. And this is the first time in tennis, which is an international sport, 
is taking these bold steps to show their solidarity. And this is one thing that Osaka said that I thought was really nice. She said, I feel like maybe this generation of tennis players won't be too scared of the consequences of saying things that are on their mind. That would be really nice to see. As Josefina and I have kind of been following the tournament, we've seen a lot of good player reactions. Josefina, I know you saw on Andy Mur on uh, Instagram, Andy Murray expressed his support. Elise Mertens, who obviously lost to Osaka in the semifinal, also expressed her support. Milos Raonic also did. And I think that, you know, it's great to see this player support. I think Sloane Stevens also what, uh, spoke out in support of Naomi Osaka. So this was a really big move that she made and an important one. But, you know, the scheduling disruption, it, the word is that maybe not all players were happy with their matches being moved around or having that little disruption in the schedule. And it seems like some ATP players have been having many concerns in general, regardless of this pause in tournament. So, Josefina, can you talk a little bit about the latest news from the ATP? Because I got to tell you guys, it is a lot. Right. So apparently many players have been unhappy with the ATP in general for a while, especially considering how they handled the coronavirus and how they handled distributing payment to the players during that. And they're just now starting to take action. So first, what is the PTPA? PTPA stands for Professional Tennis Players Association. It is to act as a union for the players contracted with the ATP so adding that it's for the ADP, this is only for men. There will be no women involved. An email was sent by the PTPA representatives saying that the goal of the PTPA is not to replace the ATP, but to provide players with a self-governance structure that is independent from the ATP and is directly responsive to players, members, needs, and concerns. A number of players have already resigned from the ATP Players Council in response to the concept of the PTPA and in support of it. These players include Vasek Pospisil, John Isner, and Novak Djokovic. However, players have also been open about their opinions against the PTPA, and those players include Federer, Nadal, Kevin Anderson, Sam Querrey, and a few others. These players even wrote a letter against the formation of a union. Andy Murray commented that he would be more supportive of the idea of a PTPA if there were women involved. He said having the men's and women's tour merging would add a more powerful effect to tennis as a community in the making of this organization. Um, seven governing bodies of pro tennis are against the union, meaning like these seven governing bodies include all the Grand Slams, the WTA, the ITF, and the ATP itself. So tonight, Pospisil and Djokovic will be the two initial, they have announced themselves as the, as the two initial co-presidents, and tonight they will be having a meeting. So hopefully that clears some stuff up. And again, this is a developing story. We don't even know that much about it, but it's still insane, and we're trying to get out as much news as we can about it. Yeah, one thing that Josephine and I were talking about is one of the players who's recently spoke out against this union is Steve Johnson, and he's good friends with John Isner, who's kind of who's one of the three players so far who have resigned from the ATP Players Council, and they're also playing to, against each other in the first round of the U.S. Open. So that will be an interesting 
contest between the two of them. And I think you bringing up Andy Murray's point about how this is the time to merge the two tours if you're going to do something like this. And, you know, Josephina and I noticed something over the past couple of days that's probably not the best thing about the Western and Southern Open. So, putting it plain and simple, let's take a look at the prize money differences between the ATP winner and the WTA winner. So, the final round prize money for... The ATP, whoever wins that round, gets $285,000 for that round. Versus the women's winner gets $152,999 for winning that round. I think those numbers speak for themselves, but let me tell you, there's more. On Friday, both of the men's semifinals were on Armstrong, but the women's semifinals were on Grandstand and Court 10, which is an outside court. It's not even a stadium court. There is some reasoning behind this, though. The tournament said that they did this because they were predicting a rain delay, which did happen. And Armstrong has a roof, so that makes it um, simpler. And they didn't want to give one of the women's players an advantage over the other because if they'd let one of the matches on Armstrong but the other one not on Armstrong, one of the players would have had more experience on that court before the final. But, I mean, I don't really understand why the women had to be booted to court 10. Why not at least court 17? And same thing with the doubles. The women's doubles semifinals got to be, um, had to be on court 10, but the men's doubles semifinals were on grandstand. And there's no roof on either of those courts. So it's all it's all very confusing, to say the least. But, I mean, tennis has been confusing the past few days. And as Josephina said, we will continue providing you updates in our next episode. It's time for one of our favorite segments, the Tennis Ball Frizz Quiz. For those of you who don't know, the Tennis Ball Frizz Quiz is a trivia segment Shravi and I do here on Hold On To Your Racket. At the end of each tournament, we combine our overall scores from all the quizzes we did throughout to find a winner between us two. The winner is named the Tennis Ball Frizz Quiz Whiz. Since today is our last Western and Southern Open episode, we will be naming the champion at the end of this segment. So hold on to your racket and let's get started. I'll start with the (laughs) first question. Yeah. All right. Also, just so that our listeners know, right now, Josephine and I are tied. So hopefully... One of us will mess up and one of us will get it right so that we can crown a winner. Otherwise, we'll just stay tied, I guess. Yeah, and this is like an ultimate tiebreaker because each of us will be only asking one question. So I'll start. Number one, the title of the Western and Southern Open trophy is the Rookwood Cup. The trophy is handcrafted every year by Rookwood Pottery and is considered to be one of the most beautiful awards of the professional tennis tour. How much does it weigh? A. 9 pounds B. 12 pounds C. 15 pounds Or D. 18 pounds So, I think the answer is B. 12 pounds And, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So, the only... Okay, this is kind of funny because my trivia question is also related to the trophy. So... Uh-oh. That might be why I knew the answer. But maybe if you, while okay. you were doing your research about the Cincinnati Open trophy, you probably might have known the answer to my question, too. Oh, no. So let's see. Okay. Let's see. Okay. In the first Cincinnati Open, which was held in 1899, which of the following was awarded as the men's singles winner trophy? A. 
A sterling silver cup. <laughs> six ales. Six <laughs> ales. I read this. <laughs> oh my god. That means That's we're completely <laughs> tied. Okay, let me read out the answers to the question just so that our listeners can okay. do a little quiz for themselves. But okay. <laughs> the answers are A, a sterling cup, ser- sterling silver cup with the words, quote, the oldest tournament in the United States still played in its original city inscribed on it. B, a pewter star-shaped Christmas tree topper. C, a bronze urn inscribed with juncta uvant, which is Latin for strength and unity and is on the city seal of Cincinnati. Or D, a pottery beer set including the tankard and six mugs. It's the last one. Yeah, it's, it's the, last the last one. one. So this is like, wait, I can't believe we both decided to do questions based on the Cincinnati Open Trophy. Yeah, and not even that. I can't believe that we completely tied for all three episodes we did and about also, the Cincinnati we both, Open. We both knew the answers to each other's question before the other person even read out the answers. So because we specifically researched it, so um, I know. And I, I promise guess, we did not like plan this beforehand. Like, we did not, we we weren't like, oh, I'm doing a trophy question, or oh, I'm doing, like, a historical question. No, this is a total and complete coincidence. Okay, so, turns out, we're both the tennis ball frizz quiz whiz. Yay! I'm fine with that. (laughs) Woohoo! Me too, honestly. There's no heat between us now. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. Thank you for tuning in with us for our coverage of the Western and Southern Open. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the U.S. Open and more as professional tennis returns. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions, and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, make sure to tune in to our next episode, which will be our U.S. Open preview. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends. My name is Tom and Shravya's name is Bob. See you next time.